Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast and I'm pleased to say that for the first time in a couple of episodes we've got the full crew here. Uh, Nathan, yo dude. Hey, how's it going Simon? And live from Sydney, Australia, Shane Miller, the Lama. G'day mate. G'day Simon, I'm back and my voice is back as well. So Uh, Yeah, last time I heard you, you were were croaky of Germany. Let's crack straight on because actually we've got quite a lot to talk about. Where I want to start is I have been contacted personally by lots of people in my club uh, over the past few weeks who have said please can you show me Zwift now at least some of these people would not have been seen dead anywhere near Zwift this time last year I think we're seeing a big influx of people who I know Zwift kind of call refuseniks Shane does that chime with 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 what's happened in Australia over the winter Absolutely for sure. Look, there's a number of riders who I call the old school who are now on Zwift. Now, these guys were riding the rain. They will ride fixed bikes or fixed gear bikes. You know, they're the old school boys from 30 years ago who you'd never think would be on an indoor trainer. They're now on Zwift. They're loving it. And they're also leading bunch rides. So it's happened over over the winter here. Yep, it's um, there's a lot of good converts. And uh, they're probably the, the best people or the best salespeople as well because if, you know, the, the reluctant are now on, They'll tell everyone about it, and uh, yeah, yeah it's and been there's great. nothing quite like the zeal of the convert, is there? Uh, I mean, there's one particular guy. I, I think if he listens to this, he'll know who he is. Uh, but all last winter, he was. I'm going to go out and suffer in the cold and the wet. It's what cycling's all about. And he did his first Zwift ride just a few days ago, and the complete road to Damascus conversion in one ride was actually incredible to see. Uh, have you ever seen that, Nathan? Uh, the best example there would have been when we first started live streaming races and we hooked up with uh, Cycling Hub and they got a lot of old schoolers actually. Their first comments were the first time or two were like, what is this? Why are you streaming races? This is silly. And now all of a sudden we're having all these Cycling Hub people coming into the race scene on stream actually and loving it. That relates there big time as far as uh, the convert goes. And then, uh, you know, we were just at a shop this past week, uh, putting a Zwift setup in, and there were uh, plenty of people there that were kind of hardcore uh, road racers that kind of laughed at what I was doing for my training last year, and now I've seen the results <laughs> as, in my racing, and then I've also been converted full on to like, we're going to do a setup now with our whole team. Uh, there's another category, I think, which I'm probably going to make up a name for. There's something like the curious last year, but couldn't be bothered. I, th- I think they're coming in too, and, and obviously iOS is is going to help with that and I had that on my list of things to talk about but having ridden the beta or beta I never know quite how that's supposed to be pronounced so I'll go with both I'm not sure how much there is to say about it Shane really because it kind of just works well look um, I, I did the the first look um, of the iOS version up in the snow. Um, that was one of the most extraordinary videos but, of yours I've ever seen, uh, but very good. Yeah, what I wanted to do is, um, you know, just first of all, see how well it worked. And look, it worked so well that it wasn't, um, look, don't take this you know, the, the wrong way, but it wasn't anything special yeah. because I was so accustomed to the environment. And so what it did was perfect. It replicated the exact experience that I had. And as you saw in my video, and I did a backstory of the video as well behind the scenes because it was so bizarre to set up. Um, that I raced for that com and I was racing people on there. I was lost. I wasn't in the snow in negative eight or whatever it was up there. I was just riding Zwift. So the way they've actually been
being able to put this on iOS um, has been fantastic. So for new people, it will be a lot of wow factor. For the old school, when they find out that it's just the same, I'm, I'm wondering, will it, I'm not sure the, the existing user base will get anything I, I mean, I, take me as an example. I mean, because I've got a kind of quite a good setup that I've honed over, over months and years. I'm pretty happy with that. So when I saw iOS, it was like, well, why is that any better for me? And and the answer is it's not at all. However, Nathan, for the this this curious but couldn't be bothered group, it is going to be important, isn't it? The couldn't be bothered part actually uh, was just dealing with that uh, this past week as well with uh, that exact setup I was just talking about at the local shop. A guy who is uh, Apple diehard actually and as soon as he found out that there was an app for that, he was like, well, why am I doing all this? Here we go. Let's just get it hooked up, you know? And so um, I think that's uh, it's the plug and play situation. Like Shane showed perfectly in his video, actually. It's just turn it on and download and hook it up and go, you know? So um, there might be a little bit not bothered uh, with trying to transfer to Bluetooth or ANT and all of that, you know, run around a little bit. Uh, but uh, that's a lot easier, I think, than a full-on PC setup uh, if you need to buy a new PC and all, all the other things that go along yeah, with that. Yeah. So. I mean, the beta works so well, Shane. I'm kind of wondering why, you know, what's the delay really? And, and of course, we don't have a date, but most people seem to be projecting a date of somewhere around late November. I don't know whether you know, you know any different, but I suppose there is work under the hood, as they say, that needs to be done. Yeah, look, dealing with Apple as well, now sort of, you sort of have to partner, I guess, with Apple if you're going to be putting a, a paid-for or a subscription-based app in there. I think this is new ground for both companies because it's, the, I believe the app will be a free download, but it's a subscription service. So there's some, yeah, I guess agreements have to be worked out there between the two. Um, there's also things like on-screen keyboards. There's yeah. a few little things to iron out. So um, it'll be really, really interesting, and I'm sure they'll be able to do it. The, the, the biggest hurdle is over. It's on the platform, and it seems to work quite fine. So it's just the, I guess, the 90% there and the hard work is the last probably yeah, 10%. Yeah, no, it certainly does work extremely well, kind of boringly well in, in, in a way, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, now, Shane, we, we, we hit a bit of a landmark in Australia, which was 3,000 people on the Facebook group. And of course, you're coming to the end now of your winter season, just as, as we in the Northern Hemisphere go into it. What's the upsum from, from us this year, this or this indoor season? Look, it's been really, really great. The community there, I think I've mentioned before in others we've cast, We've really upskilled everyone to be able to help everyone else out. If you're having ant connection problems or dropouts or login problems and things like that, there's a really good community of people who will help each other out. Um, and you'll get an answer pretty quickly as well. Um, so that's been great. It's been a really good little community there. Um, and we're also seeing people, I haven't seen any sort of fade off. The weather is getting warmer now, um, but I haven't seen any drop off yet because of, because of all the new events mm. that are coming up. Um, so people aren't getting on there just to train. They're getting on there because of Zwift, because to train. And I think we'll be talking about those. Um, yeah, yeah. Very yeah, no, we've got some interesting things to talk about in, in this cast, including including the world champs, uh, as Shane hinted at there. Right, um, I think it's time to play a trailer. I don't normally play a trailer, but here's a trailer. I still feel like we have the best trainer out there. I mean, Tax has done a great job of highlighting the fact that they've created false inertia. I would love to do a Pepsi challenge, put on some, you know, some blinders, 
and ride on that and ride on ours. And I think we'd come away every time the winner. That was Chip Hawkins, the president of Wahoo, issuing something of a challenge. So I took him up on it. I got a Kicker, the new version, 2016, and a Neo. And I got one Swifter to try them both and give his opinion on which one he liked the best. And you can hear that later on in the podcast. That's Neo versus Kicker. But what about Kicker versus Kicker? There's a new Kicker out, 2016, and it's promised to be much quieter. So let's have a listen to Old Kicker versus New Kicker. These recordings were made in the same room on the same equipment. Decibel readings are a bit immaterial here. It's all about the kind of noise that trainers make. Is it intrusive? Will it disturb the rest of the household or the neighbours? Here's the original Kicker. 150 watts and here's the new kicker at the same wattage 150 old kicker new kicker even at relatively low wattages the characteristic high-pitched whistling sound of the old kicker has disappeared and at higher wattages, where the old kicker was quite intrusive to some people's ears, the difference is even more marked. This is the two side by side at 300 watts. That was the old kicker, and here comes the new kicker. Old kicker. New kicker. Wahoo have definitely got rid of the old, irritating, high-pitched screaming noise that used to come from the original kicker. And if you want to find out how they did that, there's an excellent explanation from the president of the company, Chip Hawkins, on the Eurobike episode of the Swiftcast. How big a deal do you think, Shane, in the marketing of trainers in this incredibly competitive market that we've got now. How big a deal do you think noise is? If you were to sort of put three things down, so power media accuracy, road feel, or actual experience, the third one would be noise for sure, because there's a lot of people now wanting to train in closed apartments. There's, I mean, just on my block alone, um, there's been two houses demolished and six units going up. People are living closer yeah. and closer together. That's just how things are moving. And it will also, um, yeah, allow people to train at different times of the day as well if you've got kids. So I think noise is right up there. It's definitely a top three for me. Nathan, do you think noise is a big, big deal for, for trainer people, trainer manufacturers to worry about? I think it definitely is. I think as the uh, market progresses too, as Zwift progresses as a platform, I think it'll become more and more important as well. If you're trying to speak to somebody in an yeah. audio third person, uh, third party software, and there's this huge noise in the background, and it's totally bugging everybody that's in that audio room, you're, you're going to want a different uh, device. You're, you're going to say, I need to I need to get a, a different trainer. And so um, I think that uh, we're going to see 
more and more interaction on Zwift through audio and trying to create more of a group ride or event situation. And uh, I think they're going to be looking for quieter and quieter trainers on top of not waking up the whole household. Excellent point. There are rumors around that one of the next big steps for Zwift is going to be audio communication and making that as slick as everything else is on Zwift. Uh, and to be honest, that's that's all I know about that. Uh, I'm hoping to get Eric Min, the big boss, on the Zwiftcast, maybe the episode after this one or the one after that. So that'll be on the list of questions to ask him. But you're, you're quite right. The the noise thing is not, is not going to go away. Okay, so I spent some time talking to a guy called Peter Maloney, who, who like, I was going to say many Zwifters, it's not many Zwifters, like some Zwifters, doesn't ride under in the game under his real name. But he's got a really good reason for doing that. So let's hear about that. Peter's on the Zwiftcast because he contacted me and he wanted to talk about his experience of cycling with the condition called multiple sclerosis, which many people will have heard of, but perhaps not everybody will fully understand. So Peter, why don't you just give us a little explanation of what the condition is and how it affects you as a cyclist and how long you've been diagnosed? Multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease where your immune system attacks your central nervous system. We all have this uh, protective sheath around our nerves called myelin um, and your immune system when you have MS gets confused and thinks that that's a foreign virus and it attacks it and then that impacts the sort of the, the central nervous system signals going from your brain to other parts of your body so it can result in anything from weakness to to pain to uh, in more severe cases people have trouble mobile significant mobility mobility issues in my case it's 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 been fairly mild i would say so so i feel really fortunate i have uh, i have tremors in my hands and behind my shoulders especially when i get when i get hot so when you get hotter when your body heats up just like a you think of an electrical world wire and if it overheats the signal doesn't go through that happens with ms so when i get hot my hands uh, get super shaky like i couldn't you know operate my phone or, or whatever but most of the time it's either not there at all or, or a little bit i get uh, i get some dizziness like i know when i do zwift that uh, ftp test by the end I, i'm kind of i feel really dizzy and i feel uh, some vision issues so yeah, I, it's, yeah. it's like i hey, can't really see straight hey P- peter you're not alone in feeling dizzy and having vision <laughs> vision issues on an ftp test. Do you know other people living with the condition who, who use Zwift or, or, or cycle outside and, and, and find it helpful? Just just to exercise, it keeps some of the things that well, I'm just, I'm thinking on the fly here, but some of the things that I'm sure it helps with are uh, you, you can get weakness, like muscle weakness with, yeah. with MS and, and I felt that a little bit um, and I'm always, you know, I always worry about my legs like I feel it a lot in my arms but I don't worry quite as much uh, but in my legs I always worry about it and I think just exercising and keeping those mu- muscles strong has to help. One of the reasons I wanted to do this interview really is is you do identify in your name as having MS don't you? Just tell me what name you ride under. The full name is I Ride With MS. Put that on on Zwift and see if I meet anybody else and, and actually somebody somebody did contact me. This guy had messaged me 
send me a, a message on Zwift. Oh, you You have MS. My wife has MS. It's great that you're riding or, or whatever. Um, and I found him, I think, when he posted the ride to Strava and said hello later. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it would be great to meet other people on, on Zwift with MS. And, I, and that's one of the ways I guess I'm trying to do it. Sure. Well, let's hope the Zwift cast can, can do a bit of a job here. Um, so, you know, look out for Peter and he's Peter Maloney and he rides under I Ride With MS. And it would be absolutely terrific, I, I think, if, if other people who um, who have the condition could could reach out to Peter and it would be great to see um, and perhaps a, a small kind of subset of a community on Zwift uh, for people with this with this condition. Yeah, thank you. Okay, guys. Well, there is not a human being in the civilized world who is going to say that what Peter's doing is wrong. It is absolutely not. And that is a great way of finding uh, people who are in the unusual position of riding a bike pretty hard with MS and, and good luck to him. However... You know, there are lots of people who don't use their real names on Zwift for reasons that actually I don't fully understand and I'd like to explore with you two. So let's start with why wouldn't you ride under your real name? Because I, I, I don't get that. If I go for a group ride with people I don't know, they don't wear masks outside. Do you know what I mean? And if I say, well, who are you? What's your name? They, they don't say cake power. <laughs> what do you think, Shane? I mean, why why wouldn't you use your real name? Oh, look, I'm, I reckon there's a whole PhD to do on this. But uh, look, two things I can think of is um, it's a disassociation with the real world. Um, some people, they just want to be somebody else. And yeah, it's sort of th that that freedom of anonymity. So they're the two things there. So I, I think it's, look, it's not for me. We, we've used aliases for years and years back in the day. Um but now I've sort of come around and I'm a bit more yeah, sensible <laughs> and use my own name. Nathan, you've actually probably got more experience with this given your kind of gaming background. I mean, what are the reasons? Can you build on any reasons that, that Shane's, Shane's just outlined there? So in the gaming world, you name a character, you walk in or you name your alias as this is my identity. You create some sort of an avatar that it represents you and what kind of, I don't know, brand you want to name yourself, you know, in the game, however it might be. I don't think that really exists right now on Zwift too much. I think there's anonymity. I think that there's uh, some maybe a little bit of security there, but then also that you're exposing yourself. There's, I mean, there is, here's my power. Here's mm -hmm. my heart rate. If you connect your Strava prof profile, here's the area I live mm -hmm. in. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of, I think, just anonymity that people like to have around uh you know, they're riding in game and doing a physical activity in game that's represented in there with their avatar and having some privacy around that is important to some yeah. people, I think. I mean, is it a problem for you race commentating? Because, you know, I know certainly at the top end, you will check out people. Uh, I mean, I was listening to the stream the other day and amazingly, uh, a Belgian ex-pro came on who nobody had heard of. But because the guy was riding under his real name within, you know, seconds, he'd been found on Wikipedia and it was like, yeah, God, this guy's legit. You know, he, he was still racing in Belgium eight years ago. Um, but I'm just looking at a screenshot now. Butternuts, fat bloke, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> too much cake I mean you know what the actual and don't get me started on vegans and triathletes <laughs> oh. 
If I so there's actually now I I'm gonna go back just a little bit and say that a couple of those riders have built a personality around those names actually though Sonic the Hedgehog uh, the snail has Cake Man has as well the Cake Power Man I mean we reference these people during the streams because they're well known racers in amongst the race community but yeah yeah but I mean um, I, I don't I've know seen about Cake Power Nathan but but do you know who Cake Power is in real life because he's he's ra- you know he's, yes, he's I do. racing yeah. as an A so don't we need you know oh well, we do we're not entitled to know of course we're not entitled to know but it's nice to know so so you know who he is in real life yeah I think and he had James Hodges has no problem with all of us knowing whatsoever and he's called out all the time in stream uh, he's actually the main man behind developing ZwiftPower.com. Um, so huge shout out to him in that. And it's a little bit of a joke. Um, you know, the name has changed multiple times too, from cake power to the cake is a lie to <laughs> the cork, the cork is a lie to the, to, but he's doing different tests on different power meters. He'd call the different power meters a lie, you know, it was, so it, uh, he's having lots of fun with it, but on the verification issue, um, Yes, that is something that gets a little bit frustrating when not only is their uh, name different, but then their Strava name as well has a, is hidden. Their profile is hidden, and it's some other name that's a random name too. And then you're starting to ask questions. Uh, but at the same time, I think that the community is doing a good job to start to develop a group. If you go on ZwiftPower.com, a few of the top A's now, uh, Dave Allenby being one of them, one of the guys who's winning a lot right now and is a very good time trialist over in Great Britain, has a little uh, Zada approval right next to his name now. And so there's a group that could actually, if you submit files to them that are looking at the background files and seeing how official your results actually are and you can share that stuff with those people behind the scenes and not be public about it. So there are ways to work with that if people want to keep things private. And I really don't have a problem with that as long as they're willing to go through, if you're going to be in a race environment and um, putting yourself out there publicly to say, I can produce these results. Well, then there is a little bit of a buy-in by saying, well, at least submit that, you are able to produce these yeah. results. Am I just being a miserable Brit about this? And I, I have to say, one of my favourites is a guy called Ross Australia. <laughs> no, look, I like to know who I'm riding with as well. One pet peeve of mine is that people have too many brackets and definitions after their name. I got a thumbs up the other day from somebody who had, I think, five sets of brackets <laughs> and definition after their name. I, I wanted to get a thumbs up from Pete Smith, you know, not Pete Smith bracket, bracket, bracket. It was like a mathematical formula who'd given me a thumbs up. So I, I you know, thanks. And I returned it. But, was the word, um, was the word yeah, vegan it's, it's contained within any of those brackets? No, it wasn't. That was. <laughs> no, no, vegan wasn't on there. But uh, look, two of the ones I have to mention is uh, Get to the Chopper, uh, one of the Arnie calls from one of his movies, and uh, I think one of his friends there, Bath Salts. That that's, has to be the number one name. Now, the story behind Bath Salts was originally it was I'm on Bath Salts, as in a hallucinogenic <laughs> drug or something like that. And I think he, he got on there with that name and used I'm on Bath Salts for so long, and he thought, oh, I better tame this down. And uh, he was doing a lot of the Lawrence Ten Dam rides. So it's now just Bath Salts. And again, great guy. So uh, shout out to Bath Salts if he's yeah. listening. 
Those two are actually brothers, just so you know. Ah, the two right. that you just named, the Chapa and Basalt. Basalt like lives in my channel, <laughs> and uh, and Chapa is bro is his brother, and I've gotten to know them very well. I have no idea who they are in real life. I don't know their real really? names in any way whatsoever, but uh, they are definitely a well-known entity within Zwift or entities yeah, how, in Zwift. Uh, how's that? The Zwift community bringing uh, people with strange yeah, names yeah, together this, all over the world. Fantastic. I, I think we'll probably return to this in in future in futures with Cass. There's obviously some uh, some fertile territory here. Um, now, uh, not well. Maybe people will be using false names, but I suspect people are going to be using real names when they enter the Zwift World Championships, which is being run by the Kiss Guys and takes place in around about 10 days time middle of october it's going to be an absolutely fantastic event and i caught up with uh, one of the organizers glenn knight welcome to the zwiftcast to glenn knight one of the architects of the crazily successful kiss series of races and he's looking to build on that crazy success um with massive ambition because uh, an incredibly exciting event has just been announced which is the zwift world championships tell us more glenn um well, it's, it's tax world championship uh, being organized by the kiss team uh, in conjunction with swift themselves the tax bit i know is incredibly exciting because there's a very tasty prize on offer but 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 just tell us about the structure of the event the idea is that we're going to get people basically getting on and racing for their nation trying to get as many riders from each nation to get in get racing and basically push as fast as they can become the winning nation of the world championship i see yeah. so if if let's say 60 guys turn up from san salvador uh, i doubt yeah. they will but you never yeah. know they might do uh, they'll race individually and you will work out the average time of all of those 60 guys that complete the course correct and i was pretty sexist there because i said guys in, in fact this is a totally uh, egalitarian event in terms of gender isn't it well, well there's two events so on the 15th uh, it's, it's a women only event um, and on the 16th it's a men only event and the prize draws are per event so there is a prize draw for the, the female event on the Saturday and then a separate prize draw and prizes for the men's event on the Sunday Okay, and the prizes, as I alluded to earlier, are tasty. They are attacks neo, are they not? Um, up for grabs is one of the top of the range uh, tax neo smart trainers. One, this is one per competition, so one for the male competition and one for the female competition. Because of the issues with verification, etc., it's yeah. going to be a randomly drawn prize over all finishers for that particular uh, gender competition, open to all participants. Yeah, well, that's seems a very fair way to do it because my next question was going to be how the hell are you going to sort out um, the inevitable temptation that people might have to be um, a little fast and loose with uh, with the truth on that uh, yeah but, but... and that's really why we've gone down this road of doing it as a random draw um, we'll, we'll follow the usual kiss rules in terms of um, power verification certain requirements over a certain wattage you know all the, all, the, all the things that people are familiar with with kiss races to you know and, and try and sort of help people who are quite clearly pushing past their boundaries if you like yes yes well 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 put glenn very uh, very delicately put um <laughs> now wh what kind of course are we going to be looking at i'm guessing fairly flat we've got watopia on both of those days uh, on the 15th and the 16th we'll be using the flat course five five laps for men four laps for women but of course 
you know, you can't stop people racing together and forming ad hoc teams. I'm, I'm guessing that that is likely to happen. I think so. I think we'll see people like um, Team X getting involved there with their multinational team in there. ODZ will no doubt do the same. But um, I think the key here is it's about becoming the winning nation. You've got some pretty meaty support, though, haven't you? Um, the support of both Tax and Zwift, obviously highly officially sanctioned that kind of support must be um, useful and gratifying. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome, isn't it? Uh, you know, to, to think that, what, 12 months on, um, we're in this position where you know, it's a real opportunity for us. And it, it's a real opportunity for the community to, as a whole to show these big sponsors where, you know, where we've got to. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, an incredibly exciting event. Um, so come on, let's speculate about who may win. I mean, clearly, we're going to see a big showing from the UK. Uh, we're going to see, obviously, a large showing from the state. States. I would imagine the Australians will still the Australians be inside, are, maybe. The Australians, I think, are the ones to watch with. I think they'll be just <laughs> coming to the end of their indoor season. They've got some pretty big hitters, but then don't underestimate the French, I don't think. Oh, really? And of course, I think that, you know, we could see a strong showing from the low countries as well. I would imagine there'll be a few Belgians in there. Plenty. I would imagine so, yeah. Coming to the end of their race season, you know, it's. I think, I think it's going to be all out. I think there's going to be some real contenders out there but uh, yeah I think the Australians are going to be the ones to beat yeah well the, the problem with Australians is is if, if you show them a sporting contest they've got this nasty habit of always wanting to win it <laughs> Yeah, I think we've got some Brits just like that, so don't you worry. <laughs> and then, well, the, the thing is, the Australians are still smarting from the Olympics, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it sounds like a really, really exciting event, and it, it, it may well be, I think, that the podcast will touch upon it once or twice before um, before it happens, uh, and we will certainly cover it, um, maybe even during, uh, and certainly shortly afterwards. Congratulations to the KISS guys. This is certainly a, a marquee event. I really look forward to seeing it take place, and thanks for organising it, Glenn. Yeah, thanks, Simon. We're really looking forward to it. There's going to be more announcements coming up over the coming weeks, and then uh, registration will start via the event module uh, a week before the event itself. Okay, boys. Well, this is really straightforward, isn't it? Who's going to win? Uh, you know, obviously, I would say the Brits, you know, are going to be starting this one as clear favourites. Shane. Oh, look, without a doubt, the Aussies. Look, we're coming off the end of the season. Everyone's prepared. We've been racing um, on uh, on Zwift the last six months flat out. Um, we're there in numbers. We have the biggest group rides. That's no question about that. So uh, Aussies have it in the bag. Nathan, I'm worried about the Canadians. They seem to me to be incredibly competitive Canadians. Am I, am I, am I guilty of appalling national stereotyping? Um, I don't know. I mean... Uh, the Canadians have a few uh, big hitters, uh, for sure. But uh, I would almost have to agree with you that uh, the Brits are going to have a pretty good showing, actually. Um, I would, I kind of need to do something about my USA contingent over here because uh, we need to get a, quite a few more uh, involved in the Zwift world, I think, at the top end of the, of the racing. Frank Garcia is definitely one to watch out for, and he might be getting a group, though, around him. You know, he's got that team experimental that he runs, and uh, they're always at the front end of the races. I have a feeling they might be th uh, planning yeah, something. Yeah. 
I don't know. We'll have to see how it turns out. I think either way, I think the TACX Neos that are up for grabs are going to have the numbers just skyrocketing no matter what level they're at. And I don't think anybody's going to be really thinking about who's going to win the race itself <laughs> then as to whether or not they're entering the race. I think they're going to enter the race and get it done to get in on those well, Neos. Yeah, I mean, for sure, they are great prizes. And, and clearly, TAX have got behind this and I know Zwift have got behind it. Is this a sign of things to come this winter, Shane, that, uh, sorry, this Northern Hemisphere winter, Shane, that, um, you know, the brands are going to be in there competing to offer like really tasty prizes? Look, I really hope so. It's, it's really, really good to see companies leveraging off the platform. Um, Zwift have created the world. So sort of if you build it, they will come style and it's really really working um so it's great to see companies behind this and training groups as well i'm sure there's a few training groups i could probably three or four in australia training groups and coaches who are using the platform i'm sure there's more throughout the world who'll encourage their riders to get on board and participate and um that just snowballs from there so look this is fantastic i can't wait to see this is again it's still first generation of these events and as they become more and more refined um uh, the sky's the limit for this stuff that's going to be one to watch and and one that we will be uh, recapping in results terms uh, on the next podcast and I'm very interested to hear you playing down the Americans Nathan I th- personally I think this might be tactics <laughs> myself okay <laughs> next uh, let's return to trainers which which is a very popular subject with with Zwifters with so much competition and so many trainers out on the market uh, the, the Facebook groups are kind of alive with people saying should I do this? Should I get that? What's the reviews like on this? So I decided to take Chip up on his challenge and test the new Wahoo Kicker against the Neo. I got a friend in to do it, an experienced crit racer, time trialist and Ironman finisher in real life, and of course, an experienced Swifter. So welcome to the podcast to a club mate of mine, a guy by the name of Anthony Henson. And uh, Anthony's going to be riding two of the top end trainers today. And the brief for him is to um, talk about the chip challenge, which basically boils down to which trainer provides the best road feel. So hello, Anthony. Hello, Simon. And let's just start by you telling us what type of cyclist you are and what type of Zwifter you are. Uh, I'm very much a club cyclist. I'm an ex-rugby player, so on the larger side at six foot five and over 200 pounds. Zwift wise, I wasn't the earliest adopter, but I got in fairly quickly, obviously mainly by you, to be honest. Um, uh, and I've got a uh, Vortex, which I think uh, most of the Zwift riders have, uh, and I found it to be excellent. I'm not sure how today's gonna, gonna go, because obviously riding these top end trainers, I think uh, is gonna be a bit of a difference from the Vortex. Um, much in the same way as I've never test driven a BMW M3 because it might cost me a lot of money. <laughs> today today might end up quite expensive. Yeah, well, when Anthony and I were talking about this beforehand, we did weigh up the, uh, the dangers of this endeavour. So I'm going to let Ant have 5, 10, maybe even 15 minutes on this first trainer and then we'll come back to him and see what he thinks. Okay, so uh, Ant's just come up one of the small risers in the London course. How did you find that little that little hill compared to your vortex, Ant? Uh, similar, because I think because the steepness probably doesn't push the vortex. I think the steeper hills might be more telling, um, but it was certainly a lot smoother. I think the transition into the into the hill. So here's Anthony going for a sprint, and he's got a very respectable fifth out of 35. Not bad effort. Well done, Ant. 
Box Hill is not far away, so um, we'll talk to Anthony again when he's, uh, he's had a bit of time on Box Hill. Anthony's just come out of the underground station and he's about to start Box Hill. He's now hooked up with a group and the group is cracking on at a pretty good pace. How's it going, Ant? Yeah, really well. I mean, uh, as far as the training goes, I think, fair to say, the downhills are the, way, the biggest difference from the vortex, I think. Uh, but overall, yeah, really, really impressed with the sort of swift transition between slopes. Uh, I've ridden up this in the Ride London a few years ago, actually. It's the only other, it's the only time I've ridden up Box Hill for real. Uh, coming from Yorkshire, it was a slight disappointment, but I'm sure it's going to hurt me today. So Anthony's making good progress on Box Hill. I'm going to ask him to back off in a couple of minutes. I'm going to allow him to cool down, get a bit of breath back, and then we'll get his overall impressions of uh, this first trainer. How did you find that trainer? And I want you to think really particularly about how it feels compared to riding a bike on the road. Uh, yeah, I haven't quite got my breath back, but getting there. In terms of closeness to ride on the road, I, I would say it's very, very close. As I said, I've ridden the Ride London in real life. Unsurprisingly, going up Box Hill is a very similar experience on Zwift on this trainer as it, as it in, is in real life in terms of you know, effort. I think downhill is noticeably a lot different to my Vortex. Uh, and just so it's just so slick in terms of changing gradients, the downhill feel. I think it gave me, a, a, gave me my correct advantage of weight going downhill, thankfully. I uh, found that a lot easier to keep up with the group ride on that. Um, but overall, really impressed, very slick. So we've now got Anthony set up on the second trainer. Um, Anthony, you've only been on it a minute or two. Immediate impressions. Uh, media impressions, I think this sort of shades the first trainer, I think, in terms of even just setting off sort of the freewheel on it. Um, obviously, we're only on the flat at the moment, not tried any hills or downhills yet, but uh, yeah, so far so good. So Anthony's um, on the London course again on this second trainer, and he's just now on the, the first climb, not really a climb, just a little lump on the London course, but, uh, but the resistance has obviously changed. How did you find that change, Anthony? Uh, again, very, very smooth. Uh, these two trainers use very different methods to um, place inertia. D can you actually detect the difference between them? Definitely. It's noticeably different um, on the, on the second this second trainer definitely. Uh, and what sort of words would you d use to describe the difference? Uh, it's difficult to say. I think it's almost holds too, feels like it holds too much inertia going uphill, slightly. But it is smoother. I felt the other trainer uh, was a little bit more jerky in terms of uh, even on the flat pedal stroke to pedal stroke. You could feel the slightly different inertia. Uh, it's a slightly jerkier feel to it. So uh, Ant's going for a sprint on the second trainer now. Uh, well, tantalisingly, he was one watt away from, from a thousand watts. Um, in road field terms, Ant, I can see you're breathing fairly hard, so I'll keep this, <laughs> keep this short. How did that feel? Yeah, really realistic, I'd say. Very realistic. Um, both of them, to be honest, on the sprint, 
extra, you get a lot more bang for your buck than I do on my Vortex. Well, that's the test complete. And I think as listeners will almost certainly have guessed by now, or at least a large proportion of listeners, the first trainer was a kicker and the second trainer was a Neo. Both of them, obviously, it's obviously well documented already that both are very, very slick. Uh, that's my first experience of either one of those trainers. The only smart trainer I've used before is my Vortex. For me, the Neo edges it. I think with the, with the kicker, it just felt like a bit more inertia per pedal stroke, um, whereas the kit, the Neo was uh, a lot smoother. So overall, for me, I'd say it was the Neo. In terms of comparison to my Vortex, there's no doubt that, you know, it's night and day. These two are much, much better units. Um, I don't think, obviously having three children, that having ridden today, it's tempted me to have that awkward conversation with the wife about coming up with a grand to spend on uh, on one of these units i don't think the difference is enough if i was to come into some money then i'd say the neo would be very high up my wish list uh, to say the least i mean i guess the difference for me is you know the neo is a uh, i made the comparison before it's probably a bmw m3 whereas the vortex is a, a bmw 318 um yeah, the 318 still a very very nice car and a nice drive um but I don't think, for me, the price difference would tempt me to uh, to move up to the Neo, unless I was to come into some money, as I said. Um, you used some interesting words when we were just chatting as you were riding about the how you'd characterise the difference in the road field between the two trainers. Um, just just tell us a little bit, if you can, and it's difficult to describe this stuff, but just tell us. Or how each trainer felt respectively and how you feel that compares to, to real life? I think the, the biggest difference for me, I think, was on the kicker. As I said, there was that slight uh, awareness of each pedal stroke, even when you're on the flat, where on the bike, on the road, you'd expect that to be a very, very smooth. You wouldn't feel that inertia per pedal stroke. And, and when you started the uphill, when the resistance kicks in on the kicker, it just... The way I described it, I think, was it felt slightly crunchy through the pedals, uh, which sort of just pulled you pulled you out of that suspension of disbelief slightly, which just made you more aware you were on the trainer when that kicked in. And, uh, you know, even with headphones in, you'd feel that through the pedals. Um, but, yeah, definitely the Neo was uh, a lot smoother in the pedal stroke and holding, you know, from doing time trials and things on the flat, it felt a lot more realistic in terms of holding the, the inertia and not feeling it in each pedal stroke. So that was uh, very useful. I'm sure people will have enjoyed listening to it. Thank you very much, Hunt. Thank you, Simon. Okay, guys. Well, there's a couple of interesting takeouts from that for me. Um, One, uh, my friend Anthony seems to think, or did think, actually, and he didn't have that long on the trainers, but he didn't immediately say, I'm putting my Vortex on eBay and, you know, selling one of the children to buy a Neo or a Kicker. Now, I actually think that's quite interesting, Shane, that the, the high-end trainers didn't have an immediate kind of appeal that he that meant that he would you know do anything to get one 
Look, I think the big difference is for most people, it's that automatic resistance change. So that's the biggest, I guess, difference or differentiator of the experience going to a smart trainer. So it's really of no surprise to me that someone who has a smart trainer has jumped on another smart trainer and hasn't really had that wow factor because the wow factor has mm-hmm. already been there. So it was very interesting. And there's a few subtle differences with the trainers. Um, and I don't think the test was long enough for me. I'll give it a few months. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very good point. He he experienced those two trainers, but not, not really for very long. Nathan, I think there's also a bit of a psychological thing here. I, I think, I mean, I'm sure as cyclists, you will recognize this. I certainly go through this process. Uh, and that is when you see something that you want, you pretend that you haven't made the decision to already buy it but in fact you have and actually you spend a week or so or two weeks or so almost persuading yourself but you knew at the start of the process you were going to get it anyway and you go through this kind of ridiculous justification procedure um you know zip wheels uh, i'm saying no more anyway and uh i think there's a similar process going on with the trainer I think you need to be psychologically ready to spend that amount of money. From my point of view, I'm kind of the opposite way. I have to convince myself not to get the best <laughs> thing right off the bat. I'm I'm a quantity. I'm a quality right up front. If I'm going to get something, I'm going to get the best thing. It's going to last me a really long time. And in this uh, arena. It's an investment, uh, you know, in a whole lot of hours that you're going to be putting in on a uh, on a trainer. And uh, up right up front, I would want to go with what's most accurate, what I'm going to get the best training out of. I would want to go with what the best experience is going to be. Uh, and so, you know, the uh, the setup was really important for me right from the get go. And so, uh, you know, having that uh, really ready to go for me was really important. And you'd have to convince me otherwise, I think, not to get uh, a premium setup for Zwift right up front. Buy it right or buy it twice, uh, you know, and buy it right generally means that you've got you've got to spend a little bit more. But the point is, the Vortex remains you know, an excellent trainer. And actually, you know, we talk about it as cheap. I mean, it's not cheap, you know, it really isn't cheap. It's entry level into the, into the smart trainer world. The other takeout from this one, Shane, and again, he didn't have like a whole load of time on them, but he definitely preferred the Neo. So come on, speak up for the kicker. And did I see you, you are currently in possession of four kickers. Oh, look, uh, yes, I can confirm we do own four Why? kickers. Um, now, now let, let me justify that because in my YouTube channel comments, I've had to justify it as well. Look, um, I'm still on 10 speed. My wife, Veronica's on 11 speed, and I haven't fixed my 10 speed yet. So there's two. <laughs> the next one, I couldn't refuse to buy it. It was selling so cheap, I had to buy it. And then that happened again on the weekend. Somebody was selling one at below the price of a kicker snap, a brand new one. It had 200 Ks on it. I couldn't not buy it. <laughs> so I've got sort of two that I don't use. But in, in having two that I don't use, I'm sort of doing a bit, oh, a bit of a, a, a commercial community service, I guess. Um, I'm hiring them out. Okay. So if people want to actually try a kicker or try a smart trainer for the first time, rather than having that investment, they actually get a chance to ride them for a week or two. Um, and I you know, give them the ant stick and whatever else they need to get set up on. And it's a bit of an entry level for them. So, um, yeah, I've got four kickers um, and one well, that, Neo. I have to say that's a very <laughs> convincing explanation. So, uh, you know. Well, that's 
That's what I tell myself. <laughs> I, I know you're a great champion of the kicker. I mean, and you do prefer it to the Neo, don't you? Look, I'm probably 55-45 towards the kicker. Now, the reason for that is the weight of that flywheel. And um, I believe Anthony did discuss the inertia when uh, during the tests. And for me, I like high inertia trainers. It feels like I'm out on the road or on the track on top of the gear. And with that flywheel, if you throw in a really quick acceleration from a slow, um, sort of like a hill sprint, it takes a long time to get that weight moving. And that for me feels more like outside. The Neo feels a little empty. Look, it's really, really close. As I said, I'm 55% towards, towards the kicker, 45 for the Neo. And I asked Veronica this question, my wife, um, this question yesterday. You know, if I was to say, look, you've got to ride the Neo for a month, would you be okay with that? And she said, yeah, that's fine. It's So they're really, really close, but I do like having that heavily weighted flywheel the the very nice people at Elite have just sent me a, a Drivo to test uh, or dry a Drivo mm-hmm. Drivo 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 who knows anyway I think it's actually I think it's Drivo, it's Drivo. I believe okay. it's Drivo well um, anyway it looks like a really nice trainer and I'm going to be testing that against uh, probably the Neo and the Kicker and that's probably going to come on the next episode of the podcast actually on this subject. I also talked to uh, a guy who I think has almost had more trainers than hot dinners. Uh, clearly, that can't be literally true. But Colin Pierman has owned an awful lot of trainers. Uh, so I got him to take uh, us through his trainer history and then talk to us about the decision that he made to do what Nathan was probably recommending, which was to get the best that you can afford. Hi, Colin. Hi, Simon. Um, So let's talk a little bit about your trainer journey. My sort of trainer journey started in 2003 with uh, some kind of tax magnetic. And I think by the time I finished with it, I'd worn about one centimetre deep track in the steel barrel. (laughs) The feeling of a magnetic trainer isn't a great feeling. You know, even though you can adjust resistance, it's a very kind of stop pedalling, the wheel stops. There was no inertia. So my next trainer was a Cyclops Fluid. So I kind of played around with, with the Cyclops Fluid for a while. And then I, about early 2006, I think in America, the inside ride rollers came onto the market. So I, I did pull the pin on one of those inside rides. A bit more interest, a bit of occup- you know, occupying your brain and your skills rather than just staring blindly at the wall. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of people who ride rollers do say that. I think I only managed to fall off it once, but that was probably <laughs> in, ill-advised riding at two o'clock in the morning after having a few too many uh, shandies, shall we say. That, does sound, that sounds a particularly ill-advised adventure. It, it was ill-advised. It was a little, I've got a scar on my back from my kitchen work surface to this day. Then I I took a bit of a break from cycling and I came back and I purchased a uh, Cyclops Super Magneto Pro, which again, a very nice ride for a trainer actually. And that's kind of, it uses magnets that move in and out from the drum to uh, kind of give a very realistic road r- road feel. So I happily used that for probably through till now with a little spell at the beginning of this year when I, when I purchased a Cyclops Silencer which is a, the, my first, was my first direct drive unit. You love your trainers, don't you? I do love my trainers. To be fair, I, do, I, I try, probably ride my bike most days, and majority of my riding is done indoors these days. So I had a couple of those um, silencers, but they kept getting the same fault where it seemed to make a, like a, a couple of 50 pence pieces in a washing machine noise. And in the meantime, I'd been playing with Zwift since about, about November 2015. 
Zwift was the cue for Colin to invest further in trainers and he went for the top end and bought a Tax Neo. Not before he'd spent a lot of time thinking about it though. I guess the question I'd really like to hear answered by you is, do you feel paying these very large sums of money, even if you get a little bit of discount, for the top of the range smart trainers, do, do you think that is absolutely worth it? I was a bit apprehensive. I unpacked it, I think, on the hottest day of the, spr- of the autumn, when it was like super hot in down this part of the country, in London anyway. And I set it up, and within about three minutes, got off, and I was uh, effing and blinding about what an experience that was, how different that is to riding a normal turbo. It felt like riding outside. Really? I mean, it literally was a kind of moment of revelation, even for somebody who's had as many trainers as, as, as you have. Oh, yeah, it was just, it was like, you know, it was completely different. Just the gradient changes and, you know, the downhills, uphills. My legs felt different after an hour with those enforced changes of, of um, cadence and effort required compared to a normal hour's turboing. Um, you can understand how, why people just look at you in horror when you, when you talk about thousand-pound turbo trainers. You you think it's worth it though? I think it's uh, for me personally, absolutely. Because I was kind of I've been I'm 47 now. I've been turboing for what that 2003, what 15, 16 years. It, I actually had a good chat with myself earlier in the year, saying I didn't become a cyclist when I was 15 to stare at a brick wall in my shed. And that kind of, through circumstance and kind of, actually, I like turboing, if I was really honest. It seems to end up my cycling journey, I, you know, sitting on a turbo looking at a square piece of um, breeze block seems to happen to be my journey. So for me, it's kind of kept me in the game of cycling. I think Smart Trainers and Swift have kind of prolonged me being, I use the word cyclist loosely, peddler. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it's personally worth it. Everyone has this different circumstances or even kind of feeling it is an expensive trainer. I mean, there are some great trainers out there for probably half the price without some of the, the sort of fancy features. Um, yeah. There don't seem to be very many demonstration units out on the streets. Tax Neo, you kind of, or, or the kicker, or even probably the flux and any of the, you know, the, what I call the that, that high-end grouping. You know, I don't want to get into brands particularly. There's no way you can go and try it. You yeah. kind of, if your friend's got one, then you're lucky. Uh, or, you know, most people sort of tend to trust reviews, but there's always, you know, what works for you is never necessarily going to work for somebody else. And yeah. I think perhaps they need perhaps for, to convince more customers that perhaps they would need to have some demonstration shops, you know, in each locality. I think they probably would sell more, but mm. perhaps, perhaps tax are selling out every month from their production run anyway, so mm. selling any more. Well, I mean, it's an excellent point, a very good point. I mean, I, you know, I guess, I think, well, certainly in the UK, retail space is so expensive that, that to devote, you know, a fair chunk of retail space uh, to one item because you don't just need the trainer, you need the bike, you need the screen, you need the PC, you know, you need the whole, the full-on, full banana experience. Uh, you can see some local bike shops just, just kind of not liking that because, uh, you know, I still think 70% of the customers would come in and say, how much? Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's really, really interesting to see how this is going to go. Colin, it's been uh, completely fascinating talking to you, particularly someone with such a long career and uh, such such a wide experience of so many different turbos. Um, uh, and isn't it funny that we can entertain each other and hopefully a few other people talking about different types of turbo trainer. It's a funny old world, hey? It is a funny old world. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Have a good day. 
So guys, uh, there we are. Another another podcast comes to an end. Lots and lots of topics covered, apart from one which I've forgotten actually, Nathan, and, and, and we should explore. Um, <clears throat> and that is the controlled race starts fiasco. <laughs> now, I'm being a bit harsh there, actually. It, 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 it didn't achieve what it wanted to achieve, I don't think. So for people who didn't catch this, Zwift have introduced, this is an official part of the game, Zwift have introduced a system where for the first three kilometers of a race, if you go over 200 watts, um, the response that you get above that 200 watts is reduced. I, I don't think it's entirely cancelled out. I think it's reduced. But, uh, and the idea, is, I think, was to stop these manic uh, sprint starts where you're just, you know, for the first two minutes, you are going at absolutely full gas, these kind of sprint starts. That, that was the, it, it was, the idea was to try to introduce a sense of neutralisation. Um, but it didn't really work, did it, Nathan? Uh, no, and I think the diminishing returns approach is probably why, because what ended up happening is that those who could just get up to 200 watts then got capped there, but there's a few individuals that could do six, seven hundred, eight hundred 800 watts that were able to just walk away from everybody almost even more so than before, uh, because everybody else was kind of capped at that 200 if that's all they could really do. And so um, it, it kind of just ended up the same way that it usually did. Uh, with this situation, uh, but I think that it was a good experiment with how to yeah. implement this yeah. into the game. That's what the idea was with KISS Labs, uh, these KISS laboratory races where we're trying out new things in the game, and uh, I think it's a good idea for wanting to uh, get that kind of race start. Uh, I was very vocal about my opinion on this. For those who, who didn't hear that very vocal opinion, d just summarise it for us, will you? Uh, the, the summary I'm going to attribute to you was stop whining and get faster. <laughs> well, Nathan's well, a actually... mountain so that's how you'll start anyway, isn't it? Flat out. Yeah, yeah, flat out. Who's getting there first? But the uh, what I'm what I'm hearing, I, the only argument I've heard is these people are faster than me. I don't like it. <laughs> that's the, that's really there isn't really any in, in any way that the argument I've heard over and over and over again can be packaged up that way. And so um, I do understand a couple of other arguments that are out there that there's A, B, C, and D racers that we need to separate. No, no that's out a separate argument. In some that, sort that, that, that's of categories. Way. I mean, let's not get into that here because that just gets so complicated. Uh, I'd like to try and keep mm -hmm. this to, to starts. And, and, you know, I think you're absolutely right. There is an awful lot of, of, of I'm being beaten and I don't like it. Shane, what do you think the ideal, the idealised Zwift race start would be? I have to say, as I'm old and fat, you know, I do like a neutralised start because it allows me to wind up to, you know, some kind of respectable speed. And I've always liked the idea of a virtual commissaire's car or a virtual derny bike that is gradually increasing speed. Forget wattage because, you know, a 50 kilogram guy versus a 90 kilogram guy which you see a lot in in swift racing is is just makes wattage a bit of a nonsense as, as a metric for neutralizing but what what do you think shane would be the ideal start 
Look, I'm on the same lines as you there, Simon. Um, I'm a traditional roadie, so I'd love to see the red car driving along with um, with Prudhomme out the top, <laughs> waving the flag to it a front style, and the flag gets pulled in. I don't think we'll ever see cars on Zwift, um, and it would be very hard to implement any other sort of vehicle. Journey bike? Um, Journey look, bike? No, no, I don't think anything with a motor or anything like that, because then you'll sort of introduce an e-bike and somebody will want to unlock it and <laughs> ride it around. <laughs> but look, maybe even just a, a glowing... Um, you know how you go through the arch after you finish a um, an interval maybe a glowing line that everyone sort of lines up to and that that, that line will move along and move along and maybe changes color from green yeah. through to red just before it starts or sorry red through to and then green as it starts um just sort of a um think of harness racing for horses and they sort of the gates are, are down and they sort of put their nose up against mm. the gates the gates lift up and away you go or that is behind a ute or a car as well but just some sort of virtual swimming line i guess if you want to visualize it is swimming mm. in the olympic you see the world record line just move away and yeah. away they go. Maybe something like that. But I do like the fact that they are trying things. There are experiments and what works and what doesn't. Because what we'll stumble across here is a solution somebody may have not thought of yet that works really well. So who knows I what's like going to come up. I like that idea, Nathan, don't you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. I, I mean, anything that involves a more gamified graphics experience coming into the game, I definitely enjoy. And I think that's a – I hadn't thought of that one for sure with the uh, workout mode – uh, bringing that feature over with yeah, the arches yeah. that was that was that's a really cool very cool yeah, idea you've sold actually. it Shane. just go away and make that work will you i'll patent that one no worries i'll uh, yeah i'll sit back and uh, on my yacht and watch everyone race with that <laughs> it'll have a little llama right on the top of it that'll be the little llama that's icon all that's all i ask a moving llama line i hope you're listening i hope you're listening swift okay guys uh, that's been very enjoyable and uh, 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 useful i hope people have enjoyed listening to that as much as i have taking part in it um nathan what news from your part of the forest any 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 new stuff you can tell us about just before we go uh yeah definitely over on beam we just got partnered with beam today it was my birthday today and they gave me the partnership okay. button uh sub button so that's what does really that mean cool. what does that mean uh, and, partnership? Uh, that so now you can put a ride on thumbs in the uh, channel. Uh, we're getting emoticons, is essentially. I mean, we're getting emotes in channel for people who subscribe to the channel. Uh, p- subscribers get a whole bunch of different benefits as well uh, when you're in the channel. So essentially, you can subscribe to the channel in order to support it. And then Beam is also then partnering with me uh, in a two-way street to uh, grow the stream and grow Beam together. So as a partner... Uh, we're working together to grow a Excellent. live stream. And, and I think we are going to try to get me to do a bit of uh, a bit of colour commentary on, on some Beam um, stuff when when we can work out um, some of the technical hassles which plagued us last time we tried it, which may not have been unrelated to the fact that several, of, uh, several club mates had been around at my house the day before and the exchange that I offered for teaching them everything I know about Zwift was that they bring beer with them. Um, but they brought IPA and that, God, that stuff's so strong. It's like wine, isn't it? Uh, anyway, I wasn't at my best that, 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 that the following evening, it has to be said. Shane, what's new with you? Oh, look, the sun started to come out now here in Australia. So it's a bit of riding to be done. So we're heading outdoors and using all the fitness we've gained indoors to uh, start racing. Daylight savings is now kicked in. So the criterium season is uh, in full swing in Melbourne. So there's five or six criteriums a week that people can choose to do. Um, and there's just a lot of riding going on. Um, on a personal level, the YouTube channel 
channels going great guns. I've I've stopped the daily. That was just unbelievably God, time yeah. consuming I mean, is that, doing that's the daily. A treadmill, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Look, that was probably six to seven to eight hours a day, plus the tail of follow up um, because I interact quite a lot with everyone, answering questions and providing value where I can. Um, that was just massive. So look, I've chopped that back and just reassessed the um, where where that's heading. I'm going to more more towards the you know, just the helpful evergreen tips as well. Um, the other day I did a how to do a basic maintenance on the Wahoo Kicker, which is taking off the flywheel. Um, making sure everything is nice and greased and uh, in good service condition, I guess, and cleaning the optical sensors. So things like that. So I think I'll head towards that for the channel. So yeah, head over, subscribe to the GP Llama channel. There's always something interesting going on. And uh, we even, Veronica and I rode up to the snow the other day. There's still snow in Australia and it's almost summer. Who would have thought? uh, Listen, just remind people where they can find the YouTube channel, what what to search for on YouTube, because I have actually shared a number of your videos because there are uh, some of them, uh, I don't mean to diminish the ones that aren't, but there are some of them that are just incredibly useful. Well, look, if you, if you make enough of them, yeah, some of them will actually hit the mark. So that's what I've done. Where do we find you? I hide in plain sight. I'm absolutely everywhere. If you search GP Lama, so G-P-L-A-M-A, um, that should come up with me. Or Shane Miller, Miller with an E-R, the American spelling of Miller. Um, you should be able to find me. If not, feel free to send me a message by any of the Facebook groups and uh, I'll point you in the right yeah, direction. Well, I would urge people to look at that channel because uh, there is some gr- genuinely great stuff there. Guys, it's been fantastic to talk to both of you. Uh, lively edition of the podcast. Look forward to the next one. Look forward to seeing you out on course. Uh, thanks very much indeed. See you soon. Thanks, Cheers. Simon. Thanks, Nathan. That's it, podcast fans. Thanks, as ever, to Zwift. Their support helps keep the podcast on air. But that support does not influence anything Shane, myself or Nathan say during the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.